This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. I am J.A. Lovelock, a barrister, an author, but most importantly, a crime junkie. Welcome to my podcast, Behind the Yellow Tape. So, Paula, for a handful of people who do not know much about you, would you like to give us some background about yourself? Yes, I was born in the West Midlands, and I first went to Jamaica with my parents just before my 12th birthday. Uh, We lived in Clarendon, and I spent my entire teens on the island and returned to England 10 years later. I went to live in London. Mm -hmm. Uh, I trained as a lawyer and mainly worked on commercial contracts, no no crime at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I never fancied training to be a criminal lawyer, although I always liked reading uh, crime cases uh, and grew up watching Crown Court and Rumpel of the Bailey and then, mm-hmm. you know, graduated on to L.A. Law and Ali McBeal. So mm-hmm. I, I've always loved reading crime fiction and true crime. Um, and I, I've been living back in Jamaica now since 2013. I, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do when I got here, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, just happy, happy to be back. Good. So what made you decide to go back? I'm just the need to get away from the, the grayness and tired of the, the rat race, you know, mm-hmm. and doing the on the underground to the, you know, the law firm or the in-house practice mm-hmm. every week. And mm-hmm. it, it sort of something just clicked with me saying there's a better way to do this. Um, you know, you need to go and find it. Um, and yeah. so I did. Yeah. <laughs> and was that influenced by the fact that you, you had already lived in Jamaica as a teenager? Yes, definitely. And because I could claim um, citizenship by mm. virtue of birth, my parents' birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, both parents are born in Clarendon, Jamaica, so it was quite easy to become a citizen, uh, you know, through your parents. And yes, having lived here all through my teens, and then I, I also worked in Kingston for about two years, I'm mm-hmm. sort of very used to the place. It's not really new to me at mm-hmm. all, so it was quite easy to come back, to be honest. Although I live in Montego Bay, I've never lived in Montego Bay before, mm-hmm. but um, it's really good being in front of the sea, I really like that. Yes, yeah. We're going to talk a bit more about Montego Bay in a moment. But you started to talk about, um, you, are a, you are a lawyer, um, and what drew you to write crime fiction? Um, I, I, I really like the old-time um, sleuths, people like, you know, Poirot, Miss Marple, Sherlock Holmes, um, as well as the more modern people, like the number one lady detective. That's precious oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, I yeah. love her and um, those sort of clever questions. And because I'm the sort of person who reads a lot of crime and I also watch a lot, I like mm-hmm. to watch the um, the modern real-life detectives. On the, There's a show called The First 48. Oh, I watch that. Is, yeah. I watch that. Yes, really, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a really good bird's eye yes. view of what yeah. the Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Doing. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm watching all of these shows, reading all of these books, and just thinking, no, I could do that. I'm looking mm. out at the, the Caribbean Sea, looking at the hills, and I'm thinking, mm. I, I could I could write something, and I could set it right here mm. in, in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that thought stayed with me for a long time mm. until I finally thought, well, I'm going to write a story. And 
once the character started to come into mind, I realized it couldn't be a short story. It would have to be a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I just started writing and, you know, sort of hoping for the best, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, get got the story down and, you know, finally edited it and thought, you know, this is not bad at all. That yeah. was Murder in Montego Bay. So before we talk a bit, we'll talk a bit more about that in a second. But before you actually went to Jamaica, had you thought about writing crime? Um, not really. I, I, I sort of, I've always dabbled in, in short stories, but I've never really thought about, I'm going to be a crime fiction writer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, sit and, you know, do any sort of crime stories. Mm-hmm. I did go on a, a, a course. There was a course run by City Lit, mm-hmm. which was like mm-hmm. a, a six weeks course or something that got you started on writing. But yeah. I, mm-hmm. I didn't really stick with that course. Unfortunately, I lasted about maybe a week or I'm gonna two. I'm going to say six I, weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I could not write with the speed they sort of, you know, you get your homework to go home and write them, mm-hmm. uh, a story about X or Y, and I can't sort of write under that sort of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I need my to write in my own time and on the subject that I want to write about. So uh, mm-hmm. I didn't last long at that at, at I, all. I, I'm, so think, I never... I'm thinking actually you could have been an alumni of City Lit because, you know, Andrew Levy went to City Lit. Okay. All right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah. I just went there on the, uh, this was just a part-time course mm-hmm. run, I think two or three evenings a week for a couple of hours, mm-hmm. but it was so intense that yes, I, I really, it wasn't really for me at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but it didn't put you so off. Did, it didn't put you off writing though. It certainly didn't put me off. It's just a question. I think some of us need to write in our own time without mm-hmm. being given, you know, t- subjects to write about. Once I'm writing about subjects that interest me, it's mm-hmm. a completely different thing. You know, I can write pretty um, fast and, um, and pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your first novel is set in Montego Bay. How did you come to choose Montego Bay as your starting point? Well, I guess it's just because I, I, I live here. Um, and Well, when I first came... Um, in 2013, I spent a few weeks in, in Ocho Rios before I came down to um, Mo Bay and decided, oh, well, this is a much better um, setting for me because of where I'd like to stay. Mm. Um, and I found an apartment right in front of the, the, the sea. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, just going around the city and seeing the sights and talking to people and, you know, hearing what they think about Montego Bay. You're also you're watching the TV shows, watching the news in particular, seeing what is said about um, Montego Bay, you know, you get the nice bits and you get the crime bits. Mm, and I, uh-huh. I just, you know, I'm really inspired. I thought, you know what, I can set a story here. All of the information I, I, I want is here. Um, I, I can do this. So it, it wasn't, it, once I decided I'm going to write about Montego Bay, it wasn't that hard to write about mm. the, you know, it, it really lends itself to um, a good crime tale or two. Well, I was thinking about that because I've been to Montego Bay and it's, a lot of, right, okay, there are regular people who live in Montego Bay, but it's also quite a big tourist area, isn't it? Yes, yes, and that's why in my, um, all of the books, they tend to focus on, you, you get to look at both sides, so the tourists and um, the locals. Downtown Montego Bay is where you find most of the locals, and mm. that's where I tend to hang out, and the, the hip street trip, which is at the opposite end, is where the tourists tend to be. Mm-hmm. Um, heading towards the, you know, further uh, towards Ocho Rios end. Um, the tourists tend to be that direction and not towards downtown. And most of the scenes in my book are set downtown. So you get, you know, Sam Sharp Square, 
um, features in the, the area where the library is um, features in the um, Charles Gordon Market, and that's as downtown as you can get, where all the locals are, you know, haggling mm-hmm. over prices. There's there are scenes set down there as yes. well. Yes. Um, yeah. So I try to have a, a good balance of showing what yeah. local life is like, so that people who you know come as tourists don't just think, oh, Jamaica's all about tourism. There's a lot mm. going on yeah. elsewhere. Um, I, that don't involve them, the tourists. I, I like that. I like that. As you mentioned about like the market, I I can I yes. can just see that. That just conjured up for me a wonderful um, image of being down by the markets. Right. So let's meet your characters. Tell us about your characters in Montego Bay. Um, well, Detective Preddy is the lead character. He's um, a divorced. Uh, Detective, I think he's oh, I think he's nearly fifty. I'm trying to remember the ages of my characters, um, and he's in charge of the major crimes team. He has um, two female detectives with him. We have a detective uh, Spencer and detective Rabino, and then into the mix was put a Scottish man by the name of Sean Harris, mm-hmm. um, and everybody's suspicious of new detective Sean Harris, but, you know, uh, Detective Preddy doesn't really have much of a choice. He has to work with this man because that's the person the brass has put in. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the story basically follows the, the four detectives um, trying to um, nab the murderer of the heir to um, a iced frozen foods kingdom. Um, and... Sorry, this, um, I think it takes place over maybe, I think, three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. So you get to see the interaction between all of the characters, how the um, the two main detectives butt heads, as they would do. That You know, the Scottish man has a completely different idea mm-hmm. about uh, crime in Jamaica than the Jamaican, of course, is on the ground and doing it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get to see a lot of conflict between those two, but they, they get they have to work together, and so they do to solve the mystery, and um, they, they get there in the end. How many crime novels have you written? Uh, three in total now. Murder in Montego Bay is the first one. Um, the follow-up is Murder Under the Palms, mm-hmm. and the third one is called Murder at Sugar Rush Beach. But all three are set in Montego Bay, and all three follow the same four team, uh, four detectives in the major crimes. Yes, that that was going to be my next question. Do they follow each other through your novels? Yes, it's the same characters. And the the, the stories are all standalone um, stories, although there there is a a slight thread running between books two and three, but it's not not a part of the the main cases. All of the main cases are solved in each, um, each of the books. So your stories are based in Montego Bay. Have you got any plans or any thoughts of setting them elsewhere on the island? Um, well, this series, um, initially, you know, it was written as a trilogy. I might write more, I'm not sure yet. But if if I do, I think because the tech, detectives are based here, they'll probably still do, you know, they have to do a lot in Montego Bay, but I could probably take them, you know, outside mm. Um, of Montego Bay to do some investigating. In, in book, I think it's book two, um, Detective Preddy does actually make it to Kingston to do some investigating. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm trying to think. Book oh, book one, yes, it does have him in the grill, chasing down a subject in the grill. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I I think Montego Bay will always be their base, but they will you know go outside mm. of um, this St James Parish. I mean, an, another book that I'm writing that has nothing to do with these detectives, though it's a like a historical crime tale set in um in the the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, just follow a, a character who goes from Bristol to Jamaica, so it comes to Spanish Town and Montego Bay and I think St. Catherine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I, I like to set stories all over the island. That good. is my main Good, main good, point. good, yes. good. So are you inspired by any particular crime or how do you get your ideas for writing your crime novels? Um, well, I, I try not to draw on real-life murder cases um, because... People may know of the cases and realize what is going on before you want them to. You know, they'll know what's happening. So the murder cases in my stories tend to be entirely fictional. Um, I mean, that said, during various scenes within the books, the detectives or members of the public do tend to mention real-life victims or or perpetrators in conversations. Um, so in I think it's in in book one in Murder in Montego Bay the name Mario Dean comes up which is probably not known outside much outside of Jamaica but it's well known inside of um inside of the island mm. um, that's a, a young man who spent a night in the police cell and ended up dead the next I think he died a couple of days later in hospital mm-hmm. um, so I'll, I'll mention cases that people who are Jamaicans will actually think, oh, yeah, I know that one. But uh, other people outside might not necessarily know Mm. about it. But yes, I I try not to go for the real-life murder cases. Mm. I really don't want people to read and go, oh, I know what's coming now. (laughs) Oh, but you can always Um, give it a new twist. Well, that that is true, yes, you you can. But um, I I don't know, I, I, I do try to shy away from them. If the case is based in somewhere like America, I might be watching something on the telly and think, oh, I can see something there that I can use. I I, I will use it. There is an aspect I've used out of one of the first 48 cases that is not, uh, it's not, it's not the the, the murder itself. It's something that one of the the, um, suspect does Mm. that I've managed to make one of my suspects do something pretty identical in one of the books. Um, Mm. So yes, I, I guess, I get inspiration from real life cases, but I, I'm not. Um, I don't focus mm. on them too much when mm. trying to decide. Mm. You know, how am I going to get this character um, killed, or how will I get mm. the detective to, to go after mm. them? Mm. And speaking of your characters, I am guessing you like your characters, or are there any characters that you don't like? Um, no, I, I actually do like all of the, the characters. And, and it's strange as, as a, a writer, but sometimes I actually, I'll, I'll be reading something or writing something that has nothing to do with these characters. And I'll sit there and I'll think, I wonder what Detective Freddy's doing. How is he? <laughs> and I think that it, it makes you seem as if you might have mental issues. Why do you think about your characters as being real? But yeah, I, do I just thought that. It sounds as if it's real. <laughs> yeah, I do tend to think yeah. <laughs> I do think about all of them and I worry, you know, Detective Freddy's stressed, you know, the boss is on his back. So, um, yeah, I, I do like all of my um, characters. I even like some of the ones who were, you know, the um, the e- e- evil ones, so to speak. I mean, mm. I, I killed a character in one of the books 
And I I really didn't, you know, I thought he had to die and he's dead, but um, I really missed him because he was quite cheeky. He's quite misled sort mm. of a person. And I think, you know, he, he might have, he could have turned up better in life. He took a wrong turn. Um, mm. So I was quite sad to see him go. Mm. But um, but in general, yeah, I do, I like the characters and hope that people um, who are reading, uh, you know, like them too. I mean, I guess if they don't, at some point they'll put down the book and think, oh my goodness, but um mm. I am, um, yeah, try to make them like likable. So how do you make that decision for killing off characters? Um, I think it's, it's, I don't tend to make it at the beginning. You know, you, you write the story and as it's going along, you, you think, oh, well, I could put a twist here or a turn here. And you think, oh, a good twist would be to get rid of this person. So sometimes you you, you just do it. It wasn't expected, but you do it so that the detectives are, are thrown off from, you know, they might have been plodding on quite well. And the death of somebody throws them into a spin. They have to, you know, go off on another um, course of inquiry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's 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 never been a planned thing for me. I never write down these characters and think, oh, X is gonna die. This one will survive at all. Just it's just how the the um, story progresses. Mm and the direction it's taking. And I think, yeah, I need to get rid of one of these people. So do you start with a plan or does the story lead itself? Have you got a plan of how the story is going to go? Well, some, well, I'll say nowadays, now that I've written, um, you know, I've had three goes around it, I tend to try to write an outline first. When I first started writing, I didn't. It was sort of, all right, I'm going to write about a detective. I've created them get a story started, but then you come to a stop after um, maybe 10,000 or so words. It's like, oh, well, where do we go from here? And I had to actually stop doing that and sit and sort of do a plan, an outline of where I think, you know, of where I want the story to go. Now, I never end up following this, the outline exactly because, you know, characters talk to you in your, your head and they mm. want to go and do something other than what you would suggested for them. Mm. So you start writing and the story starts to change. But occasionally, you know, you go back to the outline and think, well, do I want to still want to put this in? You know, do I need this car chase? Do I need the them, you know, racing on the um, on the coast, chasing each other on in ships? What do I want to do here? So, mm. yeah, and I, an outline, I think, is, is the best for anybody who wants to write. I think they really should get an outline first before they start. Um, but it's not something you have to follow um, all the way through. It's quite interesting you said when you wrote the first 10,000 words and you asked yourself, what does the character do next? What happens next? Because I've had that experience. I started to write a crime book about in the early 2000s, and I got to 10,000 words. And I'm thinking, what do, what happens next? I don't know. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes it, re- it really yeah. is. I think it's something that shocks people. Yeah. They think, oh, great, I'm going to sit and write yeah. a novel. But then, you know, partway through is, whoops, well, where yeah. do I go from where do I go here? From here? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, um, yeah, I can, I can relate to that experience. Now, you mentioned that you read a lot of crime books. Who's your favourite author? Ooh. Um, I, I mean, I, I like Agatha Christie, so I'll read her stuff, but I also read um, 
Alexander McCall Smith, his, you know, the mm-hmm. African set detective. Yes, yeah, the yes. lady detective book. So yes, yeah. I, I read cozies and I read cozies and I read dark stories and I try to make mine um, a mixture of both. But I do just, I think I prefer to read the old time stories be, um, sort of before we had all the mobiles and the internet mm, and the, mm. the computers and the detectives have to do thorough investigations, you mm. know, by questioning people or by, you know, actually walking the beat as opposed to staring at the, the, the screens. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I do tend to read about the, the old-time detectives much more. Um, I find them much more interesting. Is there any particular story you wish you had written? Oh, that's an interesting one. Is there any I wish I'd written? A detective story. Um, I, I can't think of a detective story as such, but I remember watching the, the series, there's a detective called Monk. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, he's yeah. and I, I I watch tales of Monk. You know, he's a bit sort of I don't know if he's calling schizophrenic, but he's a bit ditzy. He doesn't like unclean things. He doesn't like to be touched. He has to have you know a wipe for everything. But he's a very clever man. And every time I watch it, I think I wish I could have written you know a story about somebody <laughs> yeah. like that because I think it, it, it's extremely um it's extremely clever to ha- to to have a detective who's sort of dirt averse and mm. throwing him into situations where mm. there's dirt every single um, time and then you know he's a brilliant character but his team who work around him everybody has to you know cater to his every need or he, can- or he cannot function mm. mm-hmm. so yeah I I love um I love that uh, sort of detective I don't know maybe one day I'll get to to write something more like um, like Yes, who knows? Who knows? Yes, who knows, yeah. Right, talk to us about some of the challenges of being a crime writer. Um, I think once you've written a few crimes, it can be quite a struggle to find new ideas um, for crimes and and mysteries. Um, I I do see some authors out there pushing out four books a year and I really don't know how they do Mm. it. I think one book a year is um, is great going. Well, I was going to ask um, you, how long does it take you to write your books? Well, I think the first draft I can probably get down within around three 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 months. Mm. But that is just a that's a very basic draft. That's not a draft I'd let anybody read. You know, it's just it's it's just the story down mm. as I understand it as such. And then you have to. I, I tend to let it sit for a couple of months and then try and edit it again in a way that not just I understand it, but everybody else mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's often said that it's, it's a good idea to leave your book to simmer for as long as you can before mm. you get back to it so mm-hmm. that you can see all the, the mistakes or whether there are potholes or if it's flowing mm-hmm. as you want it to. Um, so I think writing one book a year, I think, is, um, is great going. I mean... That said, a lot of people might think the writing is the hardest part, and, and that is a, a challenge. But once you've got your story down, the big challenge is then to get a publisher mm-hmm. um, or an agent mm. even to read the manuscript. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, this can take years unless you, you decide to self-publish it. Do you want to tell us more about your experience with that? Um, well, when I, I wrote... Um, murder in Montego Bay and I'd heard um, so many horror stories about you know finding the agent and the, the publisher that I I wasn't really trying to find one as such I wrote it and thought okay the general um, saying is that your first book never gets sold just write it because you're writing something for yourself so I'd written it and it was sitting there without me giving too much thought to it I actually set off writing on something completely different um, 
a sort of a, a time travel um, tale involving um, students in Portland, Port Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I I came across, I think I'd sent out maybe a few queries to publishers and a few to agents. But then I, I met um, a lady who came to um, a conference in Ocho Rios, um, for for writers, and she told me about a publisher in England that was looking for Caribbean stories. Mm. And I contacted them, and they, you know, read it and quite liked it, and said, "Yeah, we want to um, publish your book." Mm. So that, that so I actually got um, published without doing. I think I probably at the time sent out maybe only fifteen or so queries at the time to agents and, and publishers. Um, but I, I, I subsequently learned you know, later that it's, it's not always best to just, you know, grab at the first um, mm. offer that you, you get. You you need to sit and think about, mm. you know, not just somebody liking your book, but, you know, how do they get it out to the public? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that said, I, I have a new publisher now. It's called um, Joffe Books. They're based in Shoreditch, mm-hmm. uh, London. Mm-hmm. And they specialize, yeah, they specialize in crime fiction. So they've reissued... Um, Murder in Montego Bay and Murder Under the Palms and published for the first time Murder at Sugar Rush hmm. Beach. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're a small indie, but they've bought my books way more exposure than they had before. Um, and the work seems to be well received. I mean, I've got lots of lovely stars on Amazon. Oh, lovely. And, um, well done. Yes. Well done. That's lovely. Yeah, now, a few people have tagged me into blog reviews and, hmm. you know, nice comments about the book. So, you know, quite grateful for that's really for that. nice that's nice because then i was going to ask you about the success of being a crime writer yeah i mean people measure their successes in different ways and i guess as i said my, my success i probably thought it is i consider it as a success as soon as the moment a publisher said oh we'd love to publish your books and it really is a a great feeling to think this story that I wrote is going to be, you know, on paper. I'm going to be able to hold it and feel it. It will be in a bookshop. Mm. Um, so that that was that was brilliant. And a few years ago, the Jamaica Library Service, I had actually donated Murder in Montego Bay and Murder Under the Palms to them and never thought much more about it. And a few months later, I, I got a call from them um, saying they, they, they love the books and they wanted to use um, Murder in Montego Bay in their national reading quiz. Gosh. Um, so it was used with, a long, I think there were four books in total that were used in the adult category of their um, their quiz. And this quiz, the final was lo- um, televised mm-hmm. on television oh. Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really great. You know, my book was there on the screen. Wow. And it was, um, it's great to hear people answering questions about a story that I wrote and mm-hmm. um and I got to meet the contestants and got to hear what they thought about the characters. It was a it was a really great um experience. It just, you know, it inspired me to write more. Because a lot of them also said that they don't can't find books like this written in Jamaica, mm. sort of mm. crime tales. We don't yes. I don't know why we yes. don't seem to have any crime fiction writers. Yes, and there you um, are. My, oh, what, yeah, yeah. Marvelous. <laughs> Do you know, I, I hope I can inspire them. Yeah, I always think the measure of uh, a measure of success is when you're included, when your name is included in a quiz. Yes, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good. I hope one day I'll be on university challenge, but we'll see. <laughs> now then, okay. So, for how would you describe your books to someone who's just about to read them? Um, well, people have, have compared them to 
Death in Paradise, but I think mm. that's because that TV show. I yes. think that's mainly because you know it's mm. a, it's a white um, a, a Scotsman who's teamed up with the mm. um, the Jamaican detective. Um, so yes, because it's set in the Caribbean, I guess the, the comparison is 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 right. The mm. the difference is that the um, the focus is mainly on Detective Preddy, the Jamaican. Um, and, and not so much on the Scotsman, although they work as a team. It's the Detective Freddy's life that we're really following. Mm. And it's it's my stories are a bit darker than than, than Cozy's. I mean, you know, they oh. get into some some violent situations. Oh. They, you know, swear a bit when they're upset. But in general, I try to keep them entertaining and humorous. All of the books I, I make sure that there there's um, a good dash of humor in there. Um, and I know a lot of people might think, well, how can you be writing about murder and it's full of humour? But having watched them, um, the first 48, mm. I, I find that they do tend to, they'll show us the murder scenes, but they also show us the detectives having a, a good laugh. Exactly, over exactly. And, then, you know, and, and I think also, murder. and you need that balance as well, don't you? You need a balance. Absolutely, yes. I, I, I read some um, some crime stories and from you know, page one to page 300, there's not a joke anywhere mm. through there. And you think, how on earth do these detectives function mm. and not go crazy? Mm. <laughs> They're just investigating murders and they never laugh, they never joke about mm. anything, they never tease each other. Mm. So so my books, yes, as, wrong, as well as, um, you know, being whodunits, there does tend to be an element of comedy in there. Mm. And there's also a good sprinkling of, of, of patois. So, um, oh, yes. Um, I want to make sure that people understand that Jamaicans speak Patwa. They speak English and they speak Patwa. Yes. And it's not that hard to understand. You can actually mm. follow, you know, follow a conversation quite mm. easily if you haven't learned Patwa just by um, either by watching the person, the, their gestures, mm. or by just following the line of conversation. Mm. You can work out what that word must have meant. So mm. I'm, I'm hoping people enjoy learning Patwa as well, so that at least if they come to holiday in Jamaica, they'll yes. know a good dose of Patwa before they get here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so have you got a particular character who speaks Patwa, or do they all speak Patwa? Well, the lead character does. Pretty speaks but he doesn't speak what we'd call deep or heavy patois. It's a very light form of patois. So he does his, you know, he does his this and that and them, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't go. But some of, some of the the side characters will, will go much into much more detail into mm. their, um, their their patois. But mm. as I say, it's kept, it's kept light to make sure that people can follow the story mm. and not mm. think, oh, my goodness, what on earth does this mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and... In any in any cases where I, I think that what, what I want to say is not you know people just wouldn't understand this at all. I, I just don't bother with the the, the patter at all. I just mm, you know completely mm-hmm, leave it mm-hmm. off. Um, but interestingly, there, there was when it, getting it edited by a person who is not um, Jamaican. It's quite an interesting um, that they that an editor, an English editor, you know, won't mm-hmm. necessarily understand um, Patwa. And sometimes, you know, they'll put the little comment bubble and ask, what does that yes. mean? But sometimes they'll, they'll just change things. I mean, at one point I wrote something about um, 
problems between couples. Um, Jamaica's called man and woman story. Mm -hmm. So I'd written in there something. I can't remember the exact sentence, but it said something like, "Oh, we can't interfere in man and woman story." Mm -hmm. And the editor crossed it out and put couples story. Um, <laughs> and it made me laugh because I thought, "Oh my God, Jamaicans do not talk about couples story. They yeah. say man and woman." <laughs> so yes, yeah, so the, the, there are some things that, um, but people will work out a lot of the, the things that are in there. There's not many of those sort of things in there, yes. but the few that are there, I think any reader will be able to work out exactly what is going on and, and know this is a Jamaican setting, it's not an English setting, so mm -hmm. it, it relates to Jamaican speech. Good, good. We're almost at an end, actually, you might be pleased to know, <laughs> but I've got one final question for you. So you're walking mm -hmm. down the road and you see a dead body, what do you do? Oof. Um... <laughs> Would I do? I think I'd, I'd probably take a photograph of it and I'd phone the, the police. But always, you know, the cap, the phone comes out straight to, you know, photograph whoever this is and mm. then call the police. Um, and then I, I guess after the event to, to follow up to find out um, from the police probably well, who was that person and what happened to them. But I, I don't think I would go up close to them and, um, you know, have a look. For me, you know, murder is... I like to keep it fictional. I, I'm not that keen on, um, you know, addressing the factual ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely lovely. Paula, thank you for your time. It was such a pleasure to speak to you from the sunny island of Jamaica. <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you very much for having me, Joanna. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. I am J.A. Lovelock. Join us next time as we go behind the yellow tape and catch up with more episodes at btytpodcasts.com. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939 when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era like Cuba and Vietnam and I'll unpack the conspiracy theories too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st.